It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport with me, Sam Matterface, and the former Republic of Ireland international, Matt Holland. Hello. Good morning. How's things? Good. Talk Sports football correspondent, Alex Crook, is here. Hello. Hello, I am here. Frank Tanks hammers as Everton show the way forward. That's two clean sheets in a row now for the Toffees. Young Guns are having some fun. Brighton have got a new gaffer and Hot Harlan's got Wolves on the run. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. Before we get into the game, should we get into a little bit of business? Um, when I was 15 years and eight, 181 days old... I was working in a wallpaper factory in Islington and uh, part-timing at a hospital radio station on a Sunday. What were you doing, Matt? What was I doing? I was probably preparing for my GCSEs. Uh, I was uh, on the books at West Ham, hoping to get a contract at 16 um, as an apprentice. You can't have a a full-time scholar's contract till you're 16, right? No, 16. Well, you leave school at 16, don't you? So you do your GCSEs, yeah. you turn 16, and that's when you start at a football club at 16. Yes, I was, uh, I was still at school preparing for my GCSEs. Okay, so, so the, the truth is, is I couldn't get a job at 15 years and 181 days. In fact, I went to uh, Burton's, got interviewed and offered a job, and then they realised I wasn't 16, so they didn't give me a job as a salesman, right? Okay. Um, but yesterday, Crook, there was a young lad uh, by the name of Ethan Nwaniri, who broke the Premier League record by coming on as a substitute for Arsenal against Brentford at the ripe old age of 15 years and 181 days. Were you working on the Safeway cheese counter then? I was, uh, unpaid, uh, because like you, they couldn't afford to, uh, or they weren't allowed to give me a job until I was 16. So I basically worked for six months for nothing to ensure that I had a guaranteed job when I turned 16. So, yeah, um, incredible, incredible. And, and uh, equally amusing with the songs from the Arsenal fans how rubbish must you be he's only 15 or worse to that effect which uh, which did entertain me and he's got school in the morning so yeah uh, brilliant what what a moment for him did he actually touch the ball maybe once yeah I, I did he had a, a little bit of a fracas in the right corner of the field of course uh, despite the fact that there was quite a bit of comedy around those songs it actually wasn't true because all the scores were closed on Monday morning um, Brighton have appointed uh, Roberto Di Zerbi as their new head coach on a four-year contract. The 43-year-old uh, former Sassuolo and Shakhtar Donetsk boss has finally agreed contractual terms. He's bringing his staff over. Uh, he got quite a lot of plaudits, actually, for playing really good football for Sassuolo. Did very well in Serie A. Led them to two eighth-place finishes. This is a proper Brighton appointment, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it was their only target, um, and I think they've acted quickly because there was a bit of whisper that Juventus might be keen on him. So they've decided to act quickly and get the the move over the line. Um, 
he has got a good good record at, at Sassuolo and Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, but I looked at Brighton's fixtures. They've got Liverpool, Spurs, Man City, Chelsea and Arsenal all to play before the World Cup. So uh, nice, easy start for him. Um, you've been uh, talking to the people down at Brighton. I know that you've been doing a few bits on talk sport over the last sort of 12 hours or so, Crook, about this particular appointment. What was the thinking from a Brighton point of view? Was it important to get someone in before the next round of matches after the international break? Yeah, that was always the plan anyway, but I think Matt's right. I think the fact that Juventus, uh, according to sources in Italy, maybe were on the radar of De Zerbi has made them act quickly. I know Bournemouth looked at De Zerbi as well in terms of their long list of candidates. Obviously, they're in a bit of state of flux because they're waiting for a, a takeover, so they can't really appoint a permanent manager until the new owner is in situ. But I think they're attractive, attracted uh, by De Zerbi because of that brand of football that he played at Sassuolo because he has a reputation for developing young players. Some Brighton fans are even claiming that De Zerbi is a better manager than Graham Potter. I guess the proof will be in the pudding on that one. But this is an exciting appointment for Brighton. And in some ways, as you said, very Tony Bloom. Um, he was never going to appoint a, a Sean Dyche or a Sam Allardyce type character. That was a very sort of uh, tabloid web story, wasn't it? You know, it's like, yeah, fans rage at Coronation Street after Packet of Chris left on street. And then there's a whole article and then there's one quote from one Twitter uh, fan at the, at the bottom of the article justifying the big headline. Uh, I mean, no, no disrespect to Brighton fans who may think that De Zerbi is a better manager than Graham Potter, but how do they really know? No one does until he starts. And that's what fans say when... A manager walks out and leaves you for a bigger club and you get another one. Um, so we, I don't think we could put too much credence by that. Uh, talking about uh, managers that may walk out and end up going to a bigger club, Thomas Frank is the favourite to get the Leicester City job. I don't think Brendan Rodgers has been sacked yet, has he? <laughs> well, not at the time of recording, but it's a matter of time, isn't it, surely? You, you look at the run there on one point from seven games. They ended last season... Um, in not spectacular form as well. I think it's the worst losing run of his career. He's made some baffling decisions. We touched on it last week. Indeed, he's a centre-back when you've got Vestergaard and Sionchu waiting in the wings. They're not, they're not great players, but they are actual centre-backs. And indeed, he could then play in his central midfield role. They did okay going forward as Spurs, but defensively, they were a shambles. And Brendan Rodgers just strikes me as someone who's waiting to be fired, waiting to be put out of his misery. Yeah, Matt, we'll talk about the game in detail. I know you were there, you were commentating on that match, and we'll get into the sort of tactics a little bit later on because it was a really good performance by... Tottenham going forward but again they weren't particularly good at the back and well Leicester were absolutely atrocious at the back um, but it is their worst start to a season Leicester for 39 years um, what 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 has gone wrong for Brendan Rodgers Rogers? Is, is it is it simply that he hasn't been given what he was promised when he walked through the door is uh, it that he thought that he was going to be able to build a club that were going to be able to consistently challenge for Europe because that's what they were doing up until last year the goalposts have changed, haven't they, at Leicester City? Um, and I do have some sympathy for Brendan Rodgers in terms of the money that he's been given. When you look around the Premier League and what some of the teams are spending, I think West Ham this summer have spent £180 million. And there's Brendan Rodgers with a net spend of £3 million in his time at Leicester. So let's, let's get it right. I do have some sympathy for him. But he keeps doing the same things. It, the problems are still the same. Defensively, from set-pieces... They conceded the first two again from set pieces. There's no team conceded more since the start of last season than Leicester City. Now, I heard James Madison talking about it and saying we've worked heavily on it 
over the last week or so, trying to get it right, trying to work out exactly how we can do better from set pieces. And then they can see two goals quickly against Spurs from set pieces. Um, individual errors are costing him. The next, so the first two goals were set pieces. The second two goals were given away cheaply in midfield. So it's the same mistakes over and over again. Going forward, they're still an exciting team to watch. Defensively, they're all over the show. Attack versus defence is a familiar exercise. Today, we might just see it play out in the Premier League. The league's best defence against the league's best attack. Particularly early, deny, deny, prevent City from breaking the deadlock. A back heel from Foden, down the right. Ball in towards the near post, and it may be Jack Grealish who's got there first. Ahead of Haaland, across from De Bruyne. And it's taken less than a minute for Manchester City to strike. Cancelo finds Grealish, who finds Silver, and then Haaland is on a run. He's got three Wolves players around him. Not that that bothers him. Gets it onto his right foot. Strikes down low and in. The best attacker in the world right now. It's a magnificent seven in a row. This guy probably right now is the hottest property anywhere in the world. It's a, it's a little bit of a mistake. Oh. It's a red card. Collins, his right foot went high up into the air and into the chest of Jack Grealish. That is deemed as serious foul play. Uh, De Bruyne into Foden. A little tuck round the corner and in. Brilliant goal from Foden. Back to the top of the Premier League. It's finished at Molyneux. Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Manchester City 3. Wolverhampton Wanderers nil, Manchester City three. Erling Haaland continued an impressive scoring run as Manchester City went back to the top of the Premier League just briefly before Arsenal played on Sunday with a comfortable win against 10-man Wolves at Molyneux. Um, I suppose we should probably start with the sending off just to make sure that nobody has got any other view than red card. Anybody got any other view than red card? No. No. <laughs> no, can't come pretty out clear, to wasn't someone it? on the side of the body, can you? It's just he, he was off the floor. He, both of the feet were off the floor. The right foot came into the body of Jack Grealish. I didn't really know what he was complaining I think, about. I think Nathan Coins was just sort of saying to Jack Grealish, he should have been playing for Ireland rather than England. <laughs> <laughs> it's a possible, it's a possible exchange. Um, look, I mean. Grealish obviously had already scored by this point. 55 seconds on the clock. What a great way to answer all the critics. And there were a few critics going into the game. Even he said, you know, I need to play a little bit better than I have been. I need to rediscover the form that got me the move to Manchester City. And it was a really good finish, actually, because he he stole into the box and he, he, he sort of gambled to run from left to right into the penalty area as that cross came in from De Bruyne. And it, it basically finished the game there and then, Matt. It was an early in Harlem type finish inside the six yard box and attacking the ball in that area and it's something that, that Jack Grealish has to do more of I think ultimately when you're a forward player you're going to be judged on your numbers your output your assists the goals that you score and Jack Grealish has probably in his first year taken time to adjust at Man City but if he's going to thrive and become an important member of that team then he has to add numbers to his game. And that's the sort of position that he's got to get himself into. We saw Raheem Sterling, the number of goals that Raheem Sterling scored at Man City by getting himself into that area because you know you've got the quality around you to find you. find you. So, I mean, De Bruyne is another two assists, but the balls that he puts into those positions are there to be attacked. So if I was Jack Grealish, I'd be thinking to myself, get in that area and I'm going to get myself double figures in goals quite easily. Um, already Erling Haaland has, <laughs> has got double figures. He's almost got 
uh, 20. Uh, 14 in his past nine games, he scored for the seventh consecutive match. And the goal that he scored, actually, sort of... I mean, I mean it, was, it was quite odd, really, because a striker picking the ball up 30, 40 yards from goal and running towards you, your first instinct as a central defender is, quick, one of you's got to go and close him down and deny him the space and not let him get a shot away. But Wolves look so scared of this monster centre forward. They backed off and gave him more room. And of course, then he, he scored from outside the box this time around. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty embarrassing for the best defence in the country to concede twice in the way they did in the first half an hour of the game, Crook. Yeah, and when you do that, if you're Wolverhampton Wanderers, you've got no chance because they don't score any goals, only three this season. So they need to be defensively resolute. And as you say, those first two goals in particular were too easy. I mean, we, we seem to add 10 every week when it comes to Erling Haaland. One minute we're saying he get 40 goals, then we're saying he get 50. He might get 60. I mean, that, that sounds, of course he won't get 60. It sounds ridiculous. Well, let me give, you, let me give you the numbers, Crookie. Let me give you the numbers. He's got a goal every 52 minutes in the Premier League this season. If he continues at that rate, do you know what he'll get? 64. Go on. 64 goals he'll get <laughs> if, if he continues at this rate. Obviously, that won't happen. I did the stats for the game night programme the other week and I predicted that he would get 55 goals in the Premier League if he continues at his current rate. And then I said just exactly what you did. He's not going to get 55 goals. And then he scored another hat-trick about two days later and I texted Adrian Durham and went, he might get 55 goals. He's got got 11 (laughs) goals. Is that embarrassing for the Premier League if that happens? No, why? No, I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I think it's just great that we've got a striker that's so hungry to get himself on the score sheet and not actually bothered about being involved in the game particularly. He's had 156 touches this season in the Premier League. He gets a goal every 14 touches. All he's bothered about <laughs> is, put, is putting the ball in the back of the net. And, and I absolutely am here for it. I, as a striker... Yeah. Your job is to put the ball in the net. If you're a defender, stop the opposition scoring. If you're a forward, put the ball in the opposition net and he does it. No one was complaining when Ronaldo was scoring 60 goals. No one was complaining when Messi was scoring 60 goals. This is a guy that is at the peak of his powers. He's one of the world's best, if not the world's best forward. So I have to say it is an absolute pleasure to watch him play football. He is dynamite his athleticism the way he's, he's so demonstrative he wants the ball all the time his runs off the ball are brilliant and like I'm, I'm sure Pep Guardiola has just gone round to every single one of those attacking midfield players and just said just say no give him the ball because they always look for him they're always looking for him every single time because they know that he will finish um they, they were top of the table they're not anymore but they, they do look ominous don't they Crook yeah, I mean, you said to me the second half was a, a difficult watch because it was such a, a mismatch. I think we'll be saying that a lot this season when it comes to Manchester City. We were asking the question on Sunday night in the boot room, are Arsenal genuine title contenders? They're not because there isn't going to be a title race, in my opinion. Manchester City are going to win it at a canter. I think there's every chance they will match what Arsenal did under Arsene Wenger and be invincible. The difference is they're not going to draw many games. They're going to win most of them. They, they just look an absolute machine, an unstoppable force. And I don't see that anyone is going to get within 20 points of them this season. Matthew? There was about points. three bold claims in that uh, exchange from Crook. <laughs> never, never shy in coming forward with something a little bit uh, 
exaggerated or uh, um, with a couple of exclamation marks at the end of the sentence, but there was at least three bold claims. There isn't going to be a title race. Arsenal aren't genuine title contenders. And no one is going to get within 20 points of them. Is that, is that, is that a fair assessment? Well, I'm of the opinion that Man City will win the title. But by 20... Big shout, Matt. Big but, shout. But by 20 points... <laughs> By twenty points, I I, I think that's um, I think that's a stretching it, Crookie. To be honest, I don't think it'd be I don't think it'd be twenty points. I think we'll see a, a reaction from Liverpool. Liverpool will come stronger. Arsenal are, are making a, a, a have made a really good start. Spurs are a difficult team to beat. Man United are improving. I just don't. And actually, it's Man it's Man United City next, isn't it? City take on United in the Manchester derby after yeah. the international break. So that's one to look forward to. But um, no, I've, I think City will win the league. By 20 points is a big statement. Uh, I think they've got Liverpool coming up as well, so you never know what's going to happen over the next few weeks before the World Cup. And it's a very congested October, remember. Uh, so there will be ups and downs for everyone during that month. There were certainly a few ups and downs in the games that you were at, Matt, on Saturday night at 5.30. Tottenham 6, Leicester 2. Uh, Song Heung-min responded to being dropped by coming on and ending his goal drought in some style. Sensational. Um, a hat-trick. Some brilliant finishes um, and a hammering of sorry Leicester City, Matt. Yeah, uh, a 13-minute cameo hat-trick for Son. And uh, that's after going eight games without a goal. Do you know what? I I love the fact that he's reacted to being dropped in the right fashion. And actually, I'll I'll tell you someone else I'll mention in that respect as well is Tyrone Mings and what he's done at Aston Villa. Being stripped of the captaincy, um, left out the team, Coming back in, I thought he was excellent against Southampton the other night. But Son's the same. Son, you could see, when he arrived, he was glum-faced, upset, disappointed to be left out of the team. But the only way to react is by showing the manager what you can do when you get the opportunity off the bench. And Son did that. It was a sensational. I mean, if you look, actually, it, Tottenham put something up on their, their Twitter feed. Um, the goal he scored against Leicester last season and the goal he scored against Leicester this season, the left-footed curler, it was identical and virtually from the same spot as well. Um, but he was he was. So you would have thought that Danny Ward would have been prepared for it, is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, it, it, sometimes you, it, the quality, just nothing can do about it. And, and at times, his performance, I thought, and actually Antonio Conte changed the tactically as well. I thought he did well because he, he put him and Kane up top. It, it obviously started... Um, Three, five, uh, three, four, three. Should I say as he normally does? Um, but went two up top with Kane and Son, and, and just added an extra man in the middle of the field as well, just to see the game out. And, and Son, Son was allowed to just roam wherever he wanted to, and he was absolutely outstanding when he came on. But it's the right reaction to being dropped. Yeah, he made a few changes as well, Antonio Conte, and he had to because they've been guff for the last couple of matches. I've watched them in. I went to the Marseille game. I went to the Sporting game away from home. Um, both of them, I thought they were really poor in. They, 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 they just sort of got the job done. I suppose the positive spin on that, Crook, is that if they're getting these results and are within a point of the leaders without playing particularly well, what happens when they start to put it all together? And they've got Arsenal next live on TalkSport on the first Saturday that we come back after the international break. First of all, we don't hear the word guff enough in uh, in modern analysis of football. So uh, congratulations for that. Uh, but you're right, changes did have to be made. And I think it's a huge game, that North London derby, for both teams, actually. 
it will give us a really good barometer of exactly where Arsenal are because I do think they've benefited from a kind fixture list. This is going to be a big step up in terms of opposition. And I think Tottenham are going to have to bring their A game. They can't afford a substandard performance in that match. But I think this was, this was the best they played this season going forward. No question um, about that. I quite enjoyed Son's lack of celebration for the first goal, actually, because I think he was just relieved to finally hit the back of the net. Um, and as you say, it's a brilliant reaction to being dropped to come back with a hat-trick. But they have so many options now, don't they? The fact he can make those changes, the fact many of the new players have not really been integrated into the squad yet. Um, I think Tottenham certainly are going to finish in the top four. Are they going to run Manchester City close? I think not, based on what I've already said. But they're they're in a good place under Antonio Conte. And it's, it's a brilliant sign, as you suggest, Sam, that when they're winning games without playing well, well, imagine when they actually are playing well, because I don't think we've seen the best of Harry Kane yet this season either. Uh, he's the seventh player to uh, come off the bench and score a hat-trick in the Premier League. Not the fastest. That was February the 6th, 1999. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scored in 10 minutes. Um, a hat-trick for Manchester United against Nottingham Forest. Interestingly, that Son had 17 shots before, uh, yes, uh, before Saturday's game. Um, and he scored no goals. He then had four shots in the game on Saturday night and scored with three of them, which is particularly impressive. Um, Eric Dyer, talk to me about him. Has he got a chance of actually starting in the World Cup, bearing in mind what's going on with the rest of the centre-halves uh, in an England situation? Do you think he's got an opportunity to be that middle centre-back in a three? Is that possible, Matt? It's possible. Um, I, I think Gareth Southgate is fairly loyal to the players that have got him to this position and so I think it well, not playing no but I still think it'd take a fair bit for him to change his mind I think um, for, so I think Eric Dyer is, is still got a bit to do if he's going to if he's going to start in that position but I have to say I've been really impressed with him his organisation he's uh, is, is talking his attacking of the ball his distribution I think his concentration levels as well have gone up a notch so I think I've, I've been really impressed with his performances so far this season and he was excellent again actually I thought at the weekend against Leicester um, so yeah he's, he's got an opportunity but I, I think it'll take a lot to, to change Gareth Southgate's mind to be honest um, James Madison's actually playing quite well for Leicester he's scoring quite a few goals um, but Wilfred indeed he's having what can only be described as a Western super um, because he is literally causing his team so many problems. He gave away a penalty against Brighton, that dodgy um, moment where he gets dispossessed by Bentancur in this game. It, I mean, what's happened to him? Well, he's not a central defender, first and foremost. And there's this, you know, <laughs> that's, that, that's the big problem. He looks like his confidence has been affected because he's part of a team that are conceding goals for fun. But it's not just him. Again, I mentioned him last week. Johnny Evans has been well below par so far this season. I think the whole defence is suffering from a bit of a, a confidence crisis. And actually, they're relying on people like Madison to dig them out of the mire because going forward, they've not had too many problems. You know, even Patson Dacca is looking quite lively. They're not having to rely on Jamie Vardy to score their goals. But Matt would have been part of teams that can't keep clean sheets that are leaking goals for fun and eventually that just rocks everybody I'd imagine you're casting aspersions there shatters, shatters the dressing room honestly Crookie huh? you are casting aspersions there aren't you I was involved in teams that couldn't <laughs> keep clean sheets crikey honestly um, indeed he <laughs> Indeed, he didn't play in defence this week, so I don't no. know what his excuse can was I, on can Saturday. I just, can I just pick up on something on, on Ndidi? Um, now, 
I've been in his position where obviously I've lost a bit of confidence and not playing particularly well, but I've also been in the position where I've played centre-half one week, centre-midfield the next week, centre-half one week, centre-midfield the next week, which yeah. indeed is in that position at the moment. And I don't think that's easy. I think playing centre-half is a, is a more comfortable position. You can see everything. You get a bit more time on the ball. Um, you've got a bit longer to read certain situations. Then all of a sudden you get thrust into midfield in the heat of Premier League battle and things happen that much quicker. You don't get the time that you had at centre-half. So he's thinking, you know, he's been playing centre-half all of a sudden, he goes into midfield, he gets a ball into midfield, he thinks he's got acres of time, acres of space and loads of time and all of a sudden, Ben Tanker's closing him down, nicks the ball off him. It's difficult when you're being asked to go from one position to the next, to the next, to the next and being switched around as much as indeed he has been. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens if they do make a change during the international break and they do mix things around because uh, ultimately they need to make a, a significant change. I mean, it's the worst ever record after seven games in terms of uh, the amount of goals that they're conceding. Who's their next Cascarino away game, really good. Sam? Who's their next away game? Because I know this season they've lost 4-2, 5-2, 6-2. So put um, your money on a 7-2. I'll find out for the, the, you. Their next game is Forest. I think that's at home, but that's a at huge home. game because yeah. you know Steve Cooper is, is under a bit of pressure as well. But the this season is fascinating is for me. Away, which oh, yeah. is, might, that's uh, huge as well. Might not be 7 Huge. <laughs> but, but, but you look at the relegation picture and I think we all assumed that the Fulham and Bournemouth of the newly promoted clubs would be right down there. Bournemouth might be, but they've taken eight points from seven games. Fulham, to me, don't look like a side that are going to get sucked in. Nottingham Forest, I think, are in big trouble. But that means there, there are going to be some established teams who are looking over their shoulders. I think Leicester are right in this relegation battle. Banging, banging trouble. Well, we'll see what happens because uh, change of managers sometimes change of fortunes as well. Change of uh, manager and change of fortunes at Newcastle around about this time last year. In fact, maybe just a little bit further on. And Newcastle were bottom of the table. They were struggling under Steve Bruce. And that for all the world, never looked like they were going to get out of it. And then what happened? And on Saturday, uh, they drew with Bournemouth 1-1 at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Alexander Isik scored his first goal at St. James's Park, a penalty um, in that game after uh, a slight mistake by uh, the um, uh, Bournemouth defender. Uh, before that, Jordan Zamora had set up a brilliant goal for Philip Billing, who stretched to steer a ball home, which was pretty impressive. I thought Bournemouth actually might go on from there, but it was good response from Newcastle United. Eight points from seven games. They've won one match, Matt. Is that what you were expecting from Newcastle? No, probably not. I think the expectations at Newcastle would be a little bit higher than what we've seen so far. I think what we've seen, though, is a change of uh, approach from teams that are facing Newcastle. I think we've seen teams be a little bit more defensive, uh, offering them more of the ball. Because I think Newcastle, when they were at their best, uh, or when we've seen them at best, and even their best performances this season, have been against the best sides where they've had less of the ball and carried a threat on the counter-attack. Now, all of a sudden, they're being asked to play a totally different game. I think they had over 70% of the ball at the weekend against Bournemouth. They had 20 shots and relied on a penalty to score. So, Alan Maxman was missing at the weekend. That's obviously a, a problem for them. But now, all of a sudden, they're going to have to find a different way to, to beat opposition teams because they're approaching it differently against Newcastle. I did expect a little bit more from them so far this season. Yeah, it's their fifth draw of the season. It stretches their winless run to six games. They do climb up to 10th in the table. It's very congested in that midpoint of the table. There's a few teams that have only played six matches, but they're one of those who have played 
seven. Bournemouth have now claimed five points from uh, an available nine under Gary O'Neill. We know that there is an ownership discussion going on. Since we last spoke, it's been revealed that there is a Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas billionaire who's going to try and invest uh, in Bournemouth. Is that a gamble? Three. Uh, <laughs> it might be for him if they end up in the championship, but uh, I think it's exciting uh, for the club when you look at what he's done um, in ice hockey. He's clearly someone who is driven by uh, on-field success. He's worth 1.2 billion. Um, so he's got the financial resources to keep the club on again, not just in terms of the January transfer window, but maybe improvements at the stadium, which is still the smallest in the Premier League. They've got planning permission and work already underway on a new training ground. So I think as much as people like Gary Neville are casting aspersions over the number of American owners now in the Premier League, and maybe that's a, a topic for a later date, from a Bournemouth perspective, I think is exciting. Um, I think Gary O'Neill is relieving the pressure on the board to find a new manager. I know they've done extensive research, but obviously Bill Foley, assuming this takeover goes through, and I've got no reason to believe it won't, is going to want the final say. But as long as Gary O'Neill is picking up points, there is no rush really to replace him. And I think tactically, he's done very well. He made that tweak at half-time in the Forest game to a back three, won the game. I think he got his tactics spot on for the reasons Matt's alluded to against Newcastle. And I think he deserves a, a, a tremendous amount of credit. He made a big call as well for his, his first game in charge at home to Wolves. He took Mark Travers, the goalkeeper, out the firing line after conceding nine. Looked a bit harsh at the time because Travers didn't actually do much wrong in that Liverpool defeat for a keeper who picked the ball out the net nine times. But Neto, Gary himself said, has got a tremendous personality. I think he's been a big influence already in that dressing room, which is a young dressing room. And I think that decision to change goalkeepers has been a bit of a master. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Stroke. Three goals in four minutes. 
minutes for fantastic Fulham. Very entertaining Friday night football. Nottingham Forest 2, Fulham 3. And he's turned in. Aston Villa lead. Jacob Ramsey has scored. Haaland is on a run. He's got three Wolves players around him. Not that that bothers him. Gets it onto his right foot. Strikes down low. And in. The best attacker in the world right now. Isak against Neto. Right foot effort. Scores. It's 1-1. And Newcastle are booed off. They still haven't won here since the opening day of the season. Don Heung-min holds up three fingers. Coming on, on the hour mark, he's managed to score a half an hour hat-trick. Three minutes to go here. Tottenham six, Leicester two. Towards Fabio Vieira, who strikes towards the near corner. What a stunning wow. strike. Welcome to the big time, Fabio Vieira. It's Arsenal going to the international break, sitting at the summit of the Premier League. It's finished Brentford nil, Arsenal three. It's a win for Frank Lampard, and he's got a broad smile on his face, as you might well imagine he would have. So it's finished here at Goodison Park. Everton won, West Ham United nil. Arsenal climbed back to the top of the Premier League and avenged last year's humbling at Brentford with a clinical 3-0 victory on Sunday lunchtime. They were absolutely excellent. I was at the game. Brentford were bad, but Arsenal were in top gear. And all the more satisfying, Matt, that it underlined the difference between where they are now and where they were at the beginning of last season when that dismal opening day defeat preempted their worst start to a season in 67 years. Nice kickabout with the boys, wasn't it, for Arsenal? <laughs> nice kick about with the boys. Yes, it was. I was waiting yeah. for someone to say that. Yeah, Gabrielle's tweet, wasn't it, after the game, after it well, in response to Ivan Tony's tweet last year. And um he was very quiet, Ivan Tony. Didn't see much of the ball, didn't get a lot of service, and William Saliba was absolutely outstanding against him. Uh, he enjoyed that physical battle against him, but then also when he won the ball, he had the composure and, and quality on the ball. And obviously scored as well. So it was an excellent all-round performance from him, and they kept Ivan Tony quiet. But I thought Arsenal from start to finish were, were excellent. The pressure, the the tempo, the intensity set by Jesus at the top end of the pitch. He's made such a difference to them. Forty-five million pounds. I mean, I, it, I know that Haaland and the, you know, everyone will say that that's the best signing. Of course, it is. It's the best signing. But Jesus is doing a brilliant job for Arsenal setting the tempo for them um, Xhaka was excellent in midfield I mentioned Saliba it was just a really good all-round performance and and they totally dismantled Brentford yeah outstanding performance I love the way that they basically uh, smothered them stayed in opposition territory for most of the game defended on the halfway line as soon as Brentford tried to clear the ball they were winning the aerial physical battles they were getting it back they were pl- applying the pressure again straight up high press right on top of everyone David Reyes kicking was dreadful for most of the game anyway so that helped them too but Martinelli was in great form Saka looked lively created one of the goals Xhaka who's playing slightly further up moving forward getting licensed to get involved in more of the attacks means that there's a little bit of extra um, physicality in there as well when they're going forward I mean, they just didn't let Brentford escape. I mean, they hardly had an opportunity, Brentford, in the game. And then there was this wonderful goal from Fabio Vieira. His first goal in Arsenal colours, his first Premier League goal. And what a peach of a strike that was, Alex. Yeah, and it says all you need to know about Arsenal, that their first two options for that number 10 role, Martin Odegaard, who started the season so well, Emil Smith-Rowe, who's in danger of 
becoming the forgotten man in North London. They're both unavailable. Vieira comes in, signed for a really, relatively modest sum in the summer and scores a goal like that. It just t- tells you where they're at as a football club. They played with great cohesion, great confidence. There were a couple of moves actually that didn't result in goals that would have been contenders for goals of the season, sort of back to the Arsene Wenger days when they passed from one end to the other. I've been really impressed every time I've seen Arsenal this season. As I mentioned already, I think the Tottenham game will be a, a better barometer of where they're at because Brentford were surprisingly poor. I was expecting a lot more aggression. I thought they were too passive. I thought they made it easy for Arsenal to play against them. But you have to be impressed with what Arsenal are doing right now. And Granit Xhaka, is there a more improved player in the Premier League than Granit Xhaka? And you look at his journey with the Arsenal fans, stripped of the captaincy, booed off, looked like he'd never played for the club again. He was pretty much signed on the dotted line at Roma before a last-minute change of heart. And he has become... A fan's favourite. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. A player go from villain in the eyes of the supporters to hero, as he has. Incredible. And wore the captain's armband in the absence of Erdegaard yesterday as well. He was he was the boss on the field again once more, which I thought was interesting. It was an interesting touch from Mikel Arteta. I spoke to him actually after the game, and I asked him, "Are you genuine title contenders?" And he didn't say no. He said, "You know, we just." We are here to win every game. That is it. You know, we are going to try and do that. The, the fixture list has been quite light in terms of their level of opposition. The only decent yeah. team that you would say they've played so far this season is Manchester United. And they lost that game. Um, and that's no disrespect to the people that they've played. But in terms of the big hitters, they haven't really they haven't bumped into a Liverpool or a Manchester City, a Tottenham or a Chelsea just yet. That That is all to come. And we'll find out a lot more about them when they do that. But they're fascinating to watch they're entertaining to watch they've got some great young characters you know i spent maybe 45 minutes in the tunnel after the game yesterday because of a variety of different sort of technical issues where we didn't get to speak to Mikel right till the end and we spoke to thomas uh, frank really early and we were speaking to uh, kieran tierney and we were just hanging in the tunnel and the atmosphere amongst the Arsenal players, the laughing, the joking, the camaraderie, the togetherness, the, the, the idea that Gabriel Martinelli says, oh yeah, Fabio Vieira wants to do an interview. Don't worry about it. I'll translate for you. Come, I'll, come with me. Come with me. And then they, he grabs hold of him, walks him over to the camera. They have a little laugh and a joke. He translates for everybody. It's all very cordial and fun. And there's a unified spirit about them. And you speak to the players and they tell you, like, everybody not just the players, not just the physios, not just the assistant managers and the coaches and the manager. It's the whole club, the staff, the people in London Colney, all pulling together in the same direction, feeding this team to try and bring them success, Matt. Yeah, uh, just going back to the, the Man United game, you said it's the first real opposition they've come up against and they lost it. Actually, for large parts of that game, they were pretty good. They were Arsenal. the better team. They were the better yeah. team. And Mikel Arteta actually was a little bit naive in terms of his substitutions. And that's something for him to look at and reflect on and, and improve on going forward. So this next next game, the, the North London derby, that, that is one that I think we're all looking forward to seeing and, and really getting a gauge of where Arsenal and Tottenham are. Um, OK, so um, last week on the uh, Game Day podcast, uh, Alex Crook, um, decided that he would do a little bit of the old uh, beep, 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 reversing uh, because um, he's decided now that Everton are not going to be in relegation. 
danger. As I suggested to him right at the beginning of the season when him and Adrian Durham were being, you know, because Adrian, you know, Adrian's a lovely bloke, very good friend of ours, uh, but he's got this thing about where he wants to embrace all of the joy of football at the moment, unless it's got anything to do with Everton, right? So like he's happy about football, loves football, or loves every story that can come out of a football club, unless it comes out of Goodison Park, right? Um, so um, he, he thinks they're going to go down. Crook was... Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, 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 they're struggling. They're going to get relegated. And I was the voice of reason saying, look, just hold on, calm down. I've spoken to them. I've been there. I've seen them work. I know what's happening there. It's going to be okay. And then uh, actually on air, Adrian said to me, are you all right? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely comfortable with my decision. Everton won West Ham United nil their first win of the season. Neil Mopé's first goal since February saw Everton's summer signing end the club's winless start to the campaign. Um, not great for David Moyes at all, but great for Frank Lampard, Crookie. Yeah, and actually I admitted on the boot room on Sunday night that I owe Frank Lampard an apology uh, for yeah. the reasons that you've said. I think they've had an excellent summer in terms of the signings. Really like Anana. I think he's going to be an absolute star. Connor Cody... Um, has made Bruno Large look a little bit ridiculous, actually, because the reason that he left Wolves was because he couldn't play in a two. He's now playing in a two, and they're keeping clean sheets, and he obviously wore the captain's armband, which is brilliant, really, when you think that he's a, a lifelong Liverpool fan. He's now captaining Everton and has really bought into the club. And actually, we had Asmir Begovic on the programme, and he was talking about the unity between the fans um, and the players and the management team, because for whatever reason, Everton fans adore Frank Lampard and you could see that when he was going around saluting all corners of the ground at the end of the game and I think that's been a big part of their success and the reason they adore him actually is because he's not Rafa Benitez he's the perfect <laughs> antidote to Rafa Benitez but he's tapped into that and they deserve their win West Ham by the way eight wins since New Year's Day three goals scored this season joint fewest in the league with Wolves David Moyes reluctance to play Skamaka and Antonio together it is a problem as is his persistence with a, a badly underperforming Thomas Socek, they're in a bit of trouble as well. Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't a great game. That's the first thing to say. But, you know, what Frank's done is, is he he's identified the problems back end when he went into the, the club. He tried to fix those problems to a point where he could keep them in the league last season. He utilised the weapons that they had and the biggest weapon they had was Goodison Park and the crowd that were there. He understood that. He made that a priority. And then over the summer, plotted a way of how to strengthen the spine of the team to get them into a position where they weren't struggling again this year. Now, obviously, this, this is just the first, as far as they're concerned, this is the first iteration of Frank Lampard's Everton. So they're building slowly but surely to get to a point where they've got a decent club going forward. And Farhad Mashuri has got to appreciate what they're trying to do because he's been in a situation where he's spent loads of money. They walked into the dressing room and they've got this player from this manager, this player from this manager, this player that fits the system of another manager. And it was an absolute mess. So trying to bring that all together and get them into a cohesive unit, it was a difficult task, first of all. But boy, have they done very, very well in doing that. Clean sheet against Liverpool, clean sheet against West Ham. And now they can start to build. And let's hope that they, they do that as well because there's a good set of young English coaches behind Frank Lampard there. It's not just Frank. You've got Chris Jones, Ashley Cole, Joe Edwards, Paul Clement, all working in the same vein to try and push this team forward. Um, Matt, do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about West Ham or do you want to have a well, go at me for being um, Everton supporter? Liked? No, very good. All I was going to say was was that Everton are going in the right direction, unlike Crookie, who every time I'm on the podcast seems to go beat, 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 beat. And go <laughs> he backwards. goes in a different direction. He goes in a different direction. Or goes in both directions. 
unbeaten in the last five games, Everton. What what Frank Lampard's done, he knows that they haven't necessarily got the quality of some of the other sides in the Premier League. He's gone for energy and he's gone for attitude above yeah. other other attributes. And, you know, Alex Iwobi, I think someone epitomises that. I think we were talking about the most improved player. The difference that he's shown in some of the games this season, that keeping Anthony Gordon, Damari Gray. So in terms of Everton, I think they're going the right direction. West Ham after all the money they spent in the summer, are struggling to find the right balance up front. Not scored enough goals. That's been the biggest issue. Um, Cornet injected some life when he came in, uh, onto the pitch at, at the weekend. And Ben Rama, likewise, he hit the post. Um, but the forward areas at the moment, it's just not clicking. And he's just struggling, David Moyes, to find his best front line, best system, and the best way of integrating all those forward players that he's got. Uh, with only four points at the start of the season from seven games, West Ham have made their worst start to a Premier League season since 2016-17. They've already lost more games this calendar year than they did in the whole of 2021. That is a massive, massive drop-off for David Moyes. The good news for Everton is they've kept back-to-back -back clean sheets for the first time in 18 months. So well done uh, to them. Um, we will talk a little bit about Aston Villa against Southampton, the worst game of Premier League football in history in just a second. Uh, but first of all, um, let's get to Friday night's humdinger, Nottingham Forest and Fulham. Well, Fulham scored three times in six minutes to come back from 1-0 down on Friday night on TalkSport 2. How impressed have you been with Marco Silva's side, Matt Holland? Blimey, you said that Friday night's humding. I thought you were talking about Aston Villa Southampton then. <laughs> no, that was a hummer. <laughs> uh, Fulham, Fulham have impressed me. Uh, right from the off, right from the very first game when, I think they played Liverpool, didn't they? Opening game of the season. Uh, their opening home yeah. game. And just the way they went about the game. Just didn't give Liverpool a minute's peace. They were closing them down. There was a high energy. Uh, obviously, uh, Mitrovic has been a, uh, a big part of what they've done this season. And um, I actually fancied him to do well this year. He's been in my fantasy league team right from the very off because I just fancied Mitrovic had the bit between his teeth after what he did last year in the championship. He, he didn't play the previous year. He didn't get the opportunity the previous year to play on a regular basis. And Mitrovic looks to me as though he's someone that needs to play week in, week out to keep those levels, to keep those fitness levels. Um, and when he had a manager that was backing him and had faith in him, I felt he would be a real threat in, in the Premier League. And so it's proved. Xiao Polini, I think, has been excellent as well. Um, <laughs> most tackles in the Premier League so far. That looks an astute signing. They just yeah, look terrific. like a... They just look like a, a good team, a well-organised team that are playing with energy and, and enjoying being in the Premier League and enjoying taking on the big boys as well. Not fearing it, enjoying it. Conversely, how much pressure is Steve Cooper under? Because he said afterwards he feels as if the new look Nottingham Forest need time to build some cohesiveness, but except they must find ways of upping their points tally. They've you know, obviously gained promotion through the playoffs, they made 22 summer signings. Jesse Lingard, Morgan Gibbs-White, the most high-profile round. Lodi, who's obviously, they're all great players. But how do you get those good players into a good team? It's, it's, it's not easy, is it? Well, I'm not reversing on Jesse Lingard. And uh, you gave me so much stick about my comments about him when we were covering yeah, for Jim White and Simon Jordan that you bought me a Jesse Lingard Nottingham Forest shirt. I thought but, you were, um, I did. But where is your, where is, why are you not wearing your Jesse Lingard Nottingham Forest shirt that I bought you? 
I've, I have worn it to play football a couple of times um, and unlike Jesse Lingard I scored a goal or two as well um, so it's having a better impact on me but standard walking football <laughs> for the over 50s <laughs> they just don't look like uh, a team Nottingham Forest and um, I wonder if Matt's ever been in the situation where I mean, probably not 22 players, but I think, was it when you were at Ipswich, your he second has. season, they, they brought in a few... Tell us about Fanidi George coming in on £5 million pounds no, a week. No, so I I, I, I think the problem at, at Nottingham Forest is too many signings. And and yeah, I, I, yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that was the case at Ipswich. I wouldn't say there was too many signings when we, when Fanidi George and Matteo Serini came in. Uh, Charlton, when Ian Dowie came in, I think there was about seven or eight signings that summer. And it does take time. It really does take time. Um, to to try and you know work out your best team, best partnerships, um, how to fit them in. Some players take longer to settle. You know you're asking players who've, who've perhaps come from abroad to move to a new country, they lived in a hotel. All of these things that you just you know people from the outside or don't necessarily see. You don't see that. All you see is those ninety minutes on a Saturday. You're not seeing. All, all midweek and, and how the players may be struggling to, to um, settle. And so I think it is a problem when you bring that many players in to try and integrate them. And he's got, in some ways, too many options. He, he, it's yeah. difficult. To, I actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a not totally convinced that he would have signed off on 22 players. I think he obviously knew that he needed help, knew that Nottingham Forest wanted, um, needed improvements and needed players through the door. But I've got to be honest, I don't think Steve Cooper would have wanted 22 new bodies through the door. I think there's, there's yeah. perhaps been Very a bit difficult of... difficult to juggle that, isn't it? Um, not an easy thing to do. Um, the next game is a massive game because Nottingham Forest against Leicester, Leicester against Nottingham Forest live on TalkSport Monday Night Football, uh, when we come back after the international break, is it's an, a rivalry which you know has been going on for years. East Midlands... You know, they share a sort of a patch in a way. They're sort of always clumped together sometimes in the in the local media and stuff like that. They share radio stations that cover both clubs and all that stuff. So it's it's quite a uh, it's quite a quite a grudge match. This and whoever loses that is going to find themselves in a a really tricky position. I mean, we think that Brendan Rodgers probably will be replaced by them. We don't know. We we think that that's in in the offing. Uh, but Steve Cooper probably is going to still be in situ. Yeah, uh, but if they were to lose that game, I don't know if he'll be in situ for much longer. And I know that seems ridiculous when you look at what he's done since coming in uh, a year ago. But I think the, the Forest owner has already sacked the Olympiacos manager, so he's not afraid <laughs> to make bold decisions. Yeah, and no. he wasn't contemplating a relegation battle this year. We know that from his conversation at Wembley with Jim White. So I think he'll be very disappointed with the start they made. And the teams they've lost to, back-to-back home defeats against yeah. Fulham and Bournemouth is not great. And the goals, I mean, they've conceded three goals to Bournemouth and three goals to Fulham. If you're conceding three goals to Bournemouth and Fulham, you, you know, no disrespect, you're going to concede a lot more when it comes well, to playing Arsenal, Tottenham, you know, even Leicester, who, who actually quite good going forward, despite the fact that mm. they couldn't keep a clean sheet to save their lives. It's four successive defeats as well now for Steve Cooper. Um, so they are entrenched now already in a relegation battle. So not good for them at all. Uh, let's turn our attention to the final game that we haven't got <laughs> yet. Aston Villa 1, Southampton 0. Right, we'll be back on Thursday for the preview <laughs> show ahead of the uh, England internationals. I'm only joking. We should touch on Aston Villa versus Southampton just a little bit. I mean, it was rubbish. It was absolutely rubbish. It's like 90 minutes that no one is ever, ever, ever going to get back. The only good thing about it um, was the goal 
uh, from Jacob Ramsey. And even that was a bit of a mess, especially defensively from Southampton, who cannot keep a clean sheet to save their life. What is going on with Southampton? And how on earth are they getting away with this, Matt? I mean, they, uh, I mean, what is it, three defeats in four now for Ralph uh, Haasenhutl? I mean, there's going to be ups and downs when you've got a, a young team. But, I mean, they haven't kept a clean sheet in the 14 consecutive matches. Yeah, and they've, they've conceded first um, six games running now as well. It's not just not keeping a clean sheet. It's the starts that they're getting off to. The fact is that they've, they've conceded first in six games running. So it's a real problem for them. Um, they're a young team, Southampton. You look at the recruitment in the summer and the players that they brought mm. in, it was, it was very young players who um, you're going to have to accept there's going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be times when things aren't going particularly well. And that's when you need the, the bigger characters, if you like. I'll say no bigger characters, but perhaps the more experienced characters, the likes of a James Ward-Prowse and uh, etc., to try and help with those young players. I think the, the potential is there. You know, some of the players they've brought in have, have been excellent in certain games and certain moments, um, but I think that will take a bit of time. Um, it was a horrible game. It was a great result for Aston Villa. They backed up their draw against Man City. And again, it was it, it was the attitude of the Aston Villa team. Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard have both gone back to basics, really. They are both tenacious characters and have gone it's like back different to... different management styles, though, Matt. I mean, Frank's very soft and tries to include everybody's collegiate. He sort of brings everybody into the tent. He's nicey-nicey. Anyone want an ice cream? Should we share a packet of wine gums? Whereas, whereas, like, you know, Steven Gerrard is very much, you know, look me in the eye and tell me you want to play next week. If you want to do that, and you can be my captain. If not, get out. He's a, he's a bit more sort of old school, isn't he, in his approach? Yeah, I... I mean, I, I'm someone that doesn't mind that. I've got to be honest, I don't mind that from Stephen Gerrard well, you're as well. Old, you're old school, aren't you? Well, you know. maybe, maybe I am. You're just old. <laughs> I'm, but, but at least I went to school. Hey, Crookie. <laughs> <laughs> too true, too true. Uh, yeah. Come on, Southampton's biggest supporter. What, how are you going to stick up for them this week? No, I can't defend that performance. Um, you know, I, I don't think either side really deserved to win. Um, but but you're right, the defensive problems are the issue. I think it's three clean sheets in 34 games now. Uh, they particularly struggle in that regard away from home. And if, if you're constantly finding yourself in a situation where you have to come from behind, um, then you need players who are banging in goals and they don't necessarily have too many of those either. So I think this was always going to be a transitional season. They've got a very clear plan of the way they want to go. It's a bold plan. I hope for them that it pays off but I think it will be a season where they are constantly teetering on the brink of the relegation places hold on you said that wasn't going to happen yeah change my mind change your mind (laughs) (laughs) no I said they wouldn't go down I don't think they'll go down but I think there's going to be some uncomfortable moments because of the volume of young players they've got yeah they've got uh, Everton at home next then Manchester City away West Ham Bournemouth and Arsenal and Crystal Palace before November. So be fa- it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with Southampton because they, do, they go on these huge stretches without any victories, then put a couple together and you think it's coming back again, then 
it all goes wrong again very quickly. We shall see what happens there. Gentlemen, it's been lovely to spend the uh, the morning with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back in just a couple of days' time because we're back on Thursday afternoon. I think we're back on Thursday afternoon. I don't actually know. Uh, well, the next podcast is going to come out uh, around about Thursday. Uh, to promote the coverage of our two England games which are upcoming at the end of the week and some of the other internationals. I'll probably do a review of Scotland because that's where I'm going now. I'm going to Scotland versus Ukraine on Wednesday Night Live uh, for uh, the television. So uh, looking forward to that. Crook, I know you're off on holiday to Portugal once again. When are you not? Uh, Matt, have a good week. See you soon. And, um, and if you want to download the podcast, you can do so via Spotify, the TalkSport app, or from your usual place where you get podcasts. And remember, you can watch this podcast every sort of the early week one. I know it's out on Tuesday because of obvious reasons this week, but the Monday podcast is always available on YouTube as well. So join us there. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.